following program is brought to you in living color on NBC. Hey, where y'all at? It is a thrill. I love this show. You're telling me a big fat lot. I was hoping for funny crazy. I will get on stage on Broadway and I will reenact the rantings of Charlie Sheen one day. Think you can replace me with some other guy? Go ahead. It won't be the same. Tis mightiest in the mightiest. Do not bring Shakespeare into this. You're so smart. Oh, really? Well, so are you. And yes, the rumors are true. They smoke, they drink, they use bad language in mixed company. They're extremely rich and they can flash more bling than most posses in this room. I know exactly who that is. That's the mother that loses every goddamn game. That's Kirk Cousins. <laughs> Get rid of him. Wow. Bros, come on. I love you, bros. Does everybody have to be crazy today? Now get me, Savior! Welcome in, boys and girls. It's the Bob Matthews Podcast. We are delighted to have you with us. In case you missed it, the Caps have become major sellers at the trade deadline, although they brought in a pretty interesting piece here in the last trade. Now, since we have left you, uh, Brian McClellan has been very busy. His first order of business once the trade madness started, was to deal Dmitry Orlov and Garnet Hathaway to the Boston Bruins for Craig Smith and a first-round draft pick. And then he flipped that first-rounder from Boston over to the Toronto Maple Leafs. He sent Eric Gustafson and uh, Marcus Johansson to the Leafs. He got back, uh, I think it was some sort of mid-round pick, but... Also got back Rasmus Sandin, who is a very, very interesting and, more important, young, uh, highly rated, at least when he was drafted, first-round draft pick, defenseman. Hasn't been able to crack Toronto's top six consistently, but a very, very intriguing prospect with NHL experience. So it's going to be interesting to see what happens here down the stretch. And we're going to talk with Dan Holmey from the Locked On Podcast Network in just a couple of minutes. He covers the Capitals on a regular basis, like yours truly. We've been on his show, and now he is reciprocating, and we are glad that he is. Going to be interesting, though, to see what happens down the stretch. We talked about it a couple of weeks ago, and we said, I said, I, I really don't think that the Caps are going to make a push. And... I think after that game against the Sabres, you can see why. I mean, Buffalo just ran right by him, And it's because of the fact that this is a veteran team that needs to get younger. And that's just the bottom line. And this is really the time to do it, I think, because I still think Alex Ovechkin is a good enough player that he can pull some young guys along with him. I mean, hell, we've seen it most of the year anyways. So I think getting younger is definitely going to help in the long run. The question is, can Brian McClellan retool on the fly? Uh, One of the things that he promised Ovechkin and Backstrom when he resigned them was that there would not be a total rebuild here, that they are going to remain competitive throughout those two throughout their final contract and you know hello they only have ushered in the most successful era of hockey in the dmv and of course you know culminating at least so far culminated with the stanley cup in 2018 so you got to think that um that's why they are trying to pull this retool on the fly it's a tough job 
But if you want to look at it on the bright side, if you want to be optimistic about it, so far McClellan's done okay. I mean, could this team crater from here on out? Yeah, that's entirely possible. But, you know, he's got the goaltending situation solved, I think, for a few more years. I think Darcy Kemper and Charlie Lindgren are, are a really, really good pair. He's just got to get guys. He's got to get more scoring. I mean, that's been the biggest thing this year is they haven't been able to score. There have been too many 3-1, 2-1, 3-2 games and too many shootout losses. And that's just, it's not going to cut it. So hopefully what we've seen with these moves, getting younger, getting draft picks, going to be able to stock the farm a little bit more, um, will be something that'll uh, that'll be able to help this team be back in the playoff hunt next year. Let's bring him on in, one of our MVPs. He's Dan Holmey from the Locked On Podcast Network. He is your host for the Locked On Capitals podcast each and every day, and he has graciously agreed to join us now. How you doing, my friend? I'm doing great. Uh, the movement uh, on the Capitals is already starting. It's not the trade deadline until Friday, but don't tell that to the rest of the NHL. Man, I tell you what, it really, it it has been busy, busy, busy this week. And, you know, it looks like the Rangers have put together a juggernaut. Um, and, you know, as far as, uh, as far as we go with the Red Rockers, a um, little bit of a different sort of uh, environment for, for Brian McClellan this year. Although I think like me, you were probably looking at it and not real surprised when the moves started happening, were you? Not too surprised at all. Um, you know, what happened is that to the Capitals, they went out recently here and yesterday, as a matter of fact, and they traded for Rasmus Sandin. Uh, they traded Eric Gustafson in the first round pick they got from Boston in that deal. So it is the movement that we thought was going to happen as the Capitals are making their push for trying to get younger. For longtime Capitals fans, though, it's a bit, you know, sad, I guess I got to say, for the for them to move on from Dmitry Orloff and Garnet Hathaway. Uh, as we know, you know, for me personally, Dmitry Orloff, I followed his entire career. So to see him in a Bruins jersey is a bit difficult, but this is all a part of the greater good. This is a part about being, you know, the Capitals getting younger as they go forward and trying to stay competitive in a league that is doing just that, getting younger and faster all the time. And that leads me to my next question, Dan. You segged into it perfectly. Um, the, the first round of trades, as you said, it was it was Orloff, it was Garnet Hathaway uh, going to Boston. How surprised were you uh, that it was Dimitri Orloff and, and Garnet Hathaway? Orloff was on the Stanley Cup team. Hathaway is, is part of that core, especially on that all-important fourth line. Did it surprise you that those were the guys that were traded first? Uh, I mean, not really, as we know that uh, the entire Caps blue line, except for John Carlson and I guess Rasmus Sandin right now, um, were on expiring contracts. So we knew that, you know, Dmitry Orloff was going to be tough. What I'm hearing is that he was seeking a seven-year deal from the Capitals. And Brian McClellan pretty much said, we're all in on a three-year deal, but they couldn't come together in the middle. Um, same goes for Garnet Hathaway. He was on an expiring deal. 
Garnet Hathaway is one of those physical guys that I'm going to miss. They're so important on a team, and I think often overlooked. Not necessarily a guy that's going to drop the gloves all the time, but that sandpaper personality, that guy that gets up in your ear and is just an agitator. Um, so I'm going to miss uh, Garnet Hathaway and Dimitri Orloff on this team, but I wish them nothing but the best. I'm not a, the kind of guy that, you know, turns the cold shoulder to a guy just because he, you know, chose or, you know, in this case, traded to another team. I also ultimately wish nothing but the best for Dimitri Orloff, Garnet Hathaway, and now Gustafson and Marcus Johansson as well. Yeah, no, I, I, I agree. Although I, I am going to miss the first two. I, I didn't mind so much uh, the Gustafson Johansson trades, um, particularly in getting Rasmus Sandin. Now, you know, I, I'll be the first to admit I have not followed that kid's career uh, that closely. Uh, I do want him to succeed selfishly because his uh, his father followed me on Twitter right after I said I thought it was a good trade. Never had that happen before. Um, but what do you know about Sandine? I mean, he's a former first-round pick. All the information I can seem to find on him is that maybe Brian McClellan got a guy that you know, can be on that blue line for not just two or three years, but a long, long time. Yeah, so Rasmus Sandin uh, uh, played primarily on the third pairing there uh, in Toronto. He had ambitions, and they tried to put him more on the first uh, pairing out there, but uh, didn't quite fit. Um, I, You know, I think he has a great upside. He also brings a physical part to his game even though he does have a smaller frame um, and also a good two-way defenseman he has some offensive potential there um, a younger man I want to say 22 going on 23 so definitely fits the script of a younger player and uh, someone that will be here at least through next season he'll be an RFA after uh, next season so the Caps have the right to a first refusal and then um, if they want to sign him to a new deal then they can do that as well uh, but ultimately I think fits the script like I said uh, with what the Capitals want to do as getting younger and I think that Rasmus Sandin fits the bill so uh, again we've got until Friday uh, for the trade deadline but have you got an intermediate grade on on Brian McClellan's moves uh, so far? I mean, do you how do you think he's doing here uh, with these moves? I think he's doing what needs to be done. Um, you know, there. You know, I hear all the time on Twitter um, and YouTube about people being upset that these players, like we mentioned earlier, Dmitry Orlov, players that we've grown to love and were you know integral in the uh, 2018 Stanley Cup win. But I mean. And what's out on the ice right now is not getting it done. This will be the first time that the Capitals have missed the playoffs since 2014. That was the Adam Oates era. And uh, this is also the first time that this Capitals team has been sellers at the deadline instead of buyers for over 10 years. So, you know, it is a change. And uh, what I'm hearing here is that there has been conversations between Brian McClellan and Alex Ovechkin. There were certain promises to Ovi made that when he signed his new deal, that he would be playing on a competitive team. Well, as Frank Severali said, it doesn't seem like the Capitals have lived up to their end of the bargain. So I think that, you know, maybe Ovi is a little bit open to, um, you know, some some movement. I think that ultimately he's a little upset that they had to pick Dmitry Orlov since he is his fellow uh, Russian countryman. But I think that in order for this team to stay competitive, they need to make trades. The tough question going forward is, you know, Dmitry Orlov was a tough one. You know, a, a guy that's been on this team for quite some time. 
Not so much the case for Garnet Hathaway. Uh, as we know with Marcus Johansson, this is his second round with the Capitals. This will now be his second go round with the Minnesota Wild. So a bit of a journeyman. Um, but, you know, I think the change is what is needed for this team to get better. Um, but the tough part for me is I see the potential of them, you know, maybe moving a bigger piece that we've grown to love. Um, you know, I've heard rumblings of that there's been teams kicking the tires on TJ Oshie. Would they entertain that kind of idea? Um, I think that ultimately Brian McClellan, if you dangle the carrot in front of him, depending on what that is, he's open to most anyone except for Alex Ovechkin, Nick Backstrom, Tom Wilson, those kind of guys. But I think ultimately anyone else, I think, he will at least listen and try to improve this team i i and i, I like you i i hope oshi uh doesn't go anywhere i would be interested though to to know kind of what his market value would be i mean is a team willing to give up you know a, a first rounder and and a bunch of capital in order to get him i hope not because i think like i said he's an important part of this team um what do you when you when you take a look down up and down the system we've seen all the you know the ratings and stuff about the caps farm system and it needs to restock um but at the same time you know there are some some interesting pieces in hershey do you think any of these moves mean that we see a late season call up for you know connor mcmichael to get a another shot here or for hendrix lapierre to get some run or something like that I mean, most definitely, I think being that, you know, I, there's some people that don't want to come to terms with it, but I think that ultimately the Caps are on the outside looking in with their playoff hopes. I guess anything is possible. But, you know, if this team continues to slide, I expect to see those moves happen sooner than later. Um, why not give them real-world NHL experience? Um, but there's rumblings out there as well about Connor McMichael and Hendrick Slop here, two of the crown jewels, I would say, as far as prospects and futures are concerned for the Capitals, about there's people uh, pursuing uh, Brian McClellan and the Capitals about their services. We're hearing uh, all kinds of talk about there about Chikrin, um, another guy that has been held out of games in Arizona for a long period of time. Um, so there's a possibility that, you know, Hendrick Slop here and Connor McMichael get moved Ultimately, I hope that is not the case because that kind of fits the ammo of what this team has done for years and is which is why their uh, farm system is so depleted is because they've been in constant win now mode. The perils of that have kind of put the Capitals in the position that they're in right now. But to answer your question, I think um, Hendrick Slop here, Connor McMichael, you could see them sooner than later up in on the big team. Um, you know, I guess, you know, if the Capitals are out of it, it seems like Hershey is playing well as of late. Um, I, I could see them wanting them to stay in Hershey as well. But I think, you know, thinking big picture here, I think they'd like to see Hendricks and Connor McMichael get as much big team NHL experience as possible. Yeah. What's your opinion of, of the farm system? I mean, you know, you look at uh, technically on, on paper, you look at the American hockey league standings and, you know, Hershey's one of the, the best teams in the league, but help us all understand is that because, it's chock full of prospects or is that because there's a lot of guys that are career minor leaguers in there that are just dominating because they're good enough to star in the AHL, but they're not good enough to stick in the NHL. And I, I think as well, um, in Hershey doesn't necessarily translate to the NHL. You know, one of the first interviews I did ever when I joined Locked On was with J.J. Regan, and he said that, you know, when Hendrick Slapierre, he was talking about last year, uh, Hendrick Slapierre and Connor McMichael, they came up and impressed 
But one of the problems was is that it wasn't sustainable to have an everyday role to get a sweater every game. You have to be, uh, you know, a top tier player every game. You can, it's, you know, the NHL is really about what have you done for me lately? Uh, certain players are allowed, you know, uh, a, a streak of not playing well, see Alex Ovechkin, that kind of thing. But if you're a guy that's looking for a starting role on this team, you can't be, you know, uh, playing good one moment and not so well the next moment. So, um, but to take a look at the Hershey Bears, I think a lot of it has to do with the head coach there. Um, he really has this team dialed in. And I also have heard people say that maybe he would be a good uh, Capitals next head coach. So I guess anything is possible. But as of right now, I think that there are a lot of, uh, prospects, a lot of guys that will be good at some point in the NHL, uh, like we talked about Connor McMichael, uh, Hendricks flop here, but also the goalie depth. You take a look at Hunter Shepard and Zach Fukale, Garen Bjorklund. Um, you know, there's a, a plenty of options there going forward in the future, but um, is if there are, are they NHL ready right now? That is the question. And the small sample sizes that we've seen, not necessarily the case. Um, if you want to take a look at the blue line as well, we always hear that Alex uh, Alexiev um, is going to be, or Lucas Johansson, they're going to be the future of the blue line. But when they've been given their opportunity, they haven't lived up to potential and subsequently been reassigned to town to Hershey. Very good point. We're talking with uh, Dan Holming from the Locked On Podcast Network. He covers the Capitals for us each and every day. Give him a listen. So breaking out the crystal ball, um, what do you see down the stretch here? Technically, the Caps only a few points out of that last playoff spot. But as we have been saying, the vibe around here is that it's it's just total rebuild or retooling on the fly, at least from here on out. What do you see? Well, I see them, you know, I, I don't see them making it to the playoffs and say, you know, I would love to be proven wrong. Don't get me wrong. I would love them to make it to the playoffs, but it's kind of reminds me of last season where they kind of backed into the playoffs and we saw what happened last season where they got eliminated in the first round. So say something crazy happened and they found their way into the playoffs. I think it would be another early exit just based on who's on the ice. And I think despite, you know, whoever they pick up on the deadline on Friday, I don't think it's going to be enough uh, to take them over the top. So I do see an early exit this year. Um, and it's kind of what's been spoke of uh, amongst the beat writers on the Capitals, Samantha Pell and Sammy Silver and uh, Tarek Elbashir, all of them, uh, Matt Weirich have spoke of that it was probably going to be an early exit for this team. And I wanted to believe I was drinking the Capitals Kool-Aid. You know, I saw what happened. They went out and signed Darcy Kemper and Charlie Lindgren and Connor Brown and Dylan Strom. And then those midseason acquisitions of Sonny Milano and Nicholas Abe Cubell. I thought that, you know, potentially maybe this geriatric team could make a push for it. As it turns out, a lot of those beat writers were right. And, you know, just the age is starting to come into focus for this team. You take a look at a team like the Buffalo Sabres, who have been deplorable for quite some time, are already showing, showing signs of becoming a lot better just based on the young talent on that team. You take a look at Tage Thompson, for example. So, I mean, I think for the Capitals to be competitive for years to come and not just in this win-now mode, they've got to get younger and they've got to keep pace with this young team. Um, I think that, you know, to a certain extent, uh, Peter Laviolette tried to reinvent the offense, the game against the Sabres and tried to go more run and gun. And what did we see? It looked like a winded Capitals team that was disjointed. And uh, it's just these old guys cannot keep up with the young guys in the league. 
that's what's got to happen is that I think there needs to be a, a rebuild and, you know, they need to get younger. That's what everyone's been saying. And I think that ultimately that is what the doctor ordered. Do you think they can they can do the retool on the fly? I mean, do you think we can be sitting here this time next year and look into the team that's solidly in the top three uh, in the Metro division? I think it's possible. Um, I don't, I still don't think you're going to see a tear it down to the studs, you know, where it's only Ovi left on the team and then a bunch of young guys. Um, but I think, you know, it's been more of a retooling. That's what Ted Leonsis and Brian McClellan has said, but I do think that you're going to see more moves. than I think we're first anticipated. I do expect the capitals to be competitive next year. Um, and I do see them making a push for the playoffs as long as they have Ovi and Backstrom and Darcy and Charlie holding it down. And now we have John Carlson top tier, uh, blue liner along with Erasmus Sandin and now Jensen we hear he got a new deal I do think it's possible for them to be competitive is it are they going to be good enough to take on the likes of the uh, Hurricanes and the Devils and the Rangers who have just been stockpiling these amazing players take a look at the Rangers alone Tarasenko and now they have Kane there I think that you know the top of the Metro is loaded for bear and even if the Capitals get eliminated early, which I suspect they will be doing, it is going to be a most exciting Metro uh, just to watch from afar. That is very true. I agree with you 100%. He's the best, folks. Dan Holmey, the Locked On Podcast Network. Dan, before we go here, let everybody know if they don't already, and I'm sure they do, but just in case, where can they find you? All right, so you can find me on Twitter. It's at DanCaps218. You can find the show on Twitter. It's at LockedOnCaps. And, of course, the podcast is available wherever you get your podcasts, including YouTube. So make sure and give it a like, subscribe, share, all that good stuff. It really helps grow the channel. You're the best. Thank you, my friend. I appreciate it. All right, thanks a lot. The action never ends at DraftKings Sportsbook, especially this winter. You think it's cold? Well, DraftKings is heating it up because there are tons of ways to bet on all your favorite sports, basketball, hockey, whatever you got. Plus, right now you can bet with DraftKings Sportsbook because DraftKings Sportsbook is giving new customers a risk-free bet up to $1,000. That's right. Make your first bet up to $1,000. If it doesn't win, you can get another shot to cash in. You can throw down on all the major action for basketball, golf, MMA, hockey, you name it. Plus, with same-game parlays, as well as spreads, money lines, over-unders, and props, your betting options feel endless. You want to do a Capitals-Wizards parlay, maybe even throw in that OV scores a goal, you can do it with DraftKings, and you're going you're gonna to get paid, and paid fast. Best of all, DraftKings is safe, secure, and reliable. You can deposit and withdraw your cash whenever you want. So download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use the promo code THPN to make your first deposit and get a risk-free bet up to $1,000. That is promo code THPN only at DraftKings Sportsbook. You're listening to the Hockey Podcast Network, your home for hockey talk covering every team in the NHL. New episodes every Monday. Download at the hockeypodcastnetwork.com or wherever you get your podcasts from. Welcome back, boys and girls. Again, thanks so much to Dan Holmey of the Locked On Capitals podcast report for joining us here on the show today. And now, oh, yes, we have to switch gears. It's time for another edition of As the World Turns in Ashburn. Ashburn. 
And I assume by now we've all done our reading both at ESPN.com and the Washington Post about Dan Snyder and the NFL owners' current attitudes towards him. Jerry, what do you think about those uh, two recent stories? That's a pretty big matzo ball hanging out there. I'd say you're right in that assessment, Jerry. By the way, it has been an absolute just joy to watch an example of really just excellence in journalism here in just covering this entire saga. And this week uh, in specific, you know, first it was Mark Maskey and Liz Clark and our good friend Nikki Javala from the Washington Post that broke one story, and then that was followed up by A.J. Perez from Front Office Sports, and then the big haymaker landed by Don Van Nata of ESPN, and that's where we're going to go with this right now. So if you had any sort of a concern that Dan Snyder would screw this up as far as the sale goes, either intentionally or unintentionally. That, well, I thought that was kind of far-fetched. I could get, especially after what we've seen the last 21 years or so, I could get how you could have that, that fear. Because it, it seems like if Dan Snyder can't mess it up one way, he'll mess it up another way. Um, but the reporting by Van Nata, and again, remember, this isn't just anonymous sources in Van Nata's story. It's not just people alleging things. This was all stuff that was put pen to paper and filed with the court. I mean, it was done under oath. These are objective facts here. And the fact that Dan Snyder took out a $55 million line of credit without the approval of his board of directors, which at the time were the limited partners, Fred Smith, Dan Shar, et cetera, et cetera. The fact that he did that, and again, proven. I mean, Bank of America said he got the line of credit. Bank of America asked him for the paperwork, saying his partners signed off on it. Bank of America kept being told by Snyder's lawyers, yeah, 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 we'll get it to you, we'll get it to you. Here, let's just close the loan. And then we come to find out that no such agreement ever existed. And that's in violation of the team's, you know, bylaws. Not to mention it's against the law. That's fraud. It, it just is. Dan Snyder is dead to right on this one. I'm sure he was thinking, oh, well, if I get caught, I'll just pay a fine, blah, blah, blah. Or maybe he figured he just wouldn't get caught. Obviously, we found out, you know, now that, that Roger Goodell has been covering for him in all this because, again, the partners took it to, you know, took it, uh, filed a complaint with the league, and then it wound up going to confidential mediation, et cetera, et cetera. And, I mean, it just absolutely blows your mind. But if you were, if you were worried that somehow Snyder was going to pull an okie doke and say, hey, I tried to sell the team. Nobody would give me what it's worth. Forget that seven bill is a little bit more than it's worth. But, you know, whatever. They didn't meet his price. That's not going to happen now. You know, it, 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 he, has, he, has, he has passed the point of inflection. I mean, big time. He just drove 
straight through it. There is no way that his fellow owners can can stand by him anymore. They just can't. I mean, he's ripping off his partners. He is legit. He is legitimately a crook at this point. And it, it's just there's no way that it's going to fly. I mean, forget about the fact that whether he may or may not get indicted for bank fraud. And, and that's what it was. He told Bank of America that he had the agreement of the partners and he'll get them the documentation. He never did. He obtained a loan under false pretenses. Excuse me, a line of credit. You go on and read the story that Don Viannata wrote and, you know, through the confidential documents that he got a copy of, you know, you see the proof that as the partners said, he was using the team Snyder was as his own personal piggy bank. It kind of tracked what I've been saying about him all along. And that's that my theory has always been this. Dan Snyder never had the money to buy this team. Even back in 1999, when he put the group together to buy the Redskins for $880 million, very, very little of that was his own money. He had sold Snyder Communications a few months before that. He leveraged it to the hilt to come up with his share again, and then brought in the partners. Dan Snyder, to reduce this to the perceptual level, Dan Snyder has has been using the net worth of this team, as the documents say, to fund his lifestyle. Again, Reducing it to the perceptual level, it's like a guy who buys a house for $250,000, say. All of a sudden, the real estate market skyrockets, and the city keeps assessing it as more valuable and more valuable and more valuable every year. You turn around in a few years, and that $250,000 house now is worth $400,000, and you start borrowing against the equity or, quote-unquote, taking the equity out of it. That's what he was doing with this team. And he wasn't doing it to, say, upgrade the facilities, to build a new stadium, to even make massive renovations on the stadium that he had. What he's been using it for, at least in the last five or ten years, is, again, to pay his bills. I think uh, J.P. Finley uh, on the Redskins Talk podcast talked about Snyder having a, a, being in debt, having a serviceable debt of a billion dollars. And again, once you get into that cycle, it's hard to get out of it, especially if you can't sell. That's what's happened. The bill has come due on him. So here he's got this asset that he thinks he can get seven billion dollars for which of course is ridiculous because number one again this this house that now maybe you know after being worth four hundred thousand dollars and you borrow against it and then the next year it's worth five hundred thousand and you take out a little more equity well now all of a sudden even though it's the in this case you know the city says it's worth eight hundred thousand it's fallen into a bit of disrepair because you pissed away all the money and it needs another $300,000 worth of work done to it just to make it look nice. That's basically the situation that he finds himself in now. And he's not going to get 
seven billion dollars for it. Unless, of course, you know, Jeff Bezos comes along and bails him out, which I don't think now that that is going to happen. I mean, you've seen this coming for quite a few years, you know, letting Brandon Sheriff go. Not uh, just just yesterday, the tagging of Deron Payne. Yeah, if they, if Snyder, if the if the commanders under Dan Snyder extend to Ron Payne, whatever guaranteed money there is, has to go into escrow. He's got to write a check for that straight away, and he doesn't have it. The team doesn't have it. Yes, the team makes a profit every year, a lot less than it used to. You know, now if it's one hundred and fifty, two hundred million dollars a year, again. That ain't enough to keep up, to keep this wheel that he's running on spinning. And therein lies the rub. So, and again, for anyone that's worried he's going to pull back at the last minute, fake everybody out and say, no, I'm not selling. He really doesn't have a choice at this point. Because again, he's not a viable NFL owner anymore. He can't afford to keep the players he's got. He can't afford to improve. I think it's going to get to a point soon where, you know, we hear about how you talk about how Ashburn is, you know, the facility is lagging behind other, uh, you know, other facilities in the league. FedEx, certainly. I mean, it's it's gotten to the point of almost being untenable and it will be untenable in the next few years. He's he's selling. It's just a question of when. And the road that he's going down now, now that he could very well be facing criminal charges, you know, bank fraud charges for what happened with with that loan, just goes to show you that he's, as an owner, a dead man walking. It's going to be messy. It's going to take a little while. But there is going to be a new owner, I believe, for the commanders here in the next couple of months. So hang on and get out your popcorn because it's going to be a show. It is definitely going to be interesting. we got to get out of here. That's it for us. Thanks again to Dan Holming for joining us a little bit earlier. Don't forget you can find us on Spotify, iTunes, the Hockey Podcast Network, and wherever fine podcasts are sold. Have a great week, everybody. Remember, like the wise man once said, if you're out on your bike tonight, as always, wear white. I wrote it.